This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today, and may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. Thank you, God, for the praise team. And Dennis here, join him in the percussion. You guys know he, he actually does this as a recording artist. Thank you, Danny, and thank you, Gino, and thank you, Litsy, and Danny, too. Dan came out all the way from Claremont. Is that you live on the other side, right? Thanks for a little bit. Okay, somewhere. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Wonderful. And, and Donna, of course, thank you. I, well, I heard, yeah, I, yeah, I've heard. I, I was just in the moment of worship there. What, what, what a, we're so glad you're here this morning. Yes, the, we can't complain in Florida for the weather, can't we? <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, just last weekend, I went with my family up to uh, Ohio, and the Lord is so good. The warm weather just followed me up there. It was 60 in Ohio, and they were like, what do you do? <laughs> I said, well, enjoy, because as soon as I leave, it's coming back with me. <laughs> and it did. The next day, you know, I just, I know, it wasn't me, but they had those moments there. Um, open your Bibles with me to uh, the book of Revelation. We are getting ready here, and as you probably noticed, I wanted to let you know, highlight that in this first quarter of the year, I don't know if you noticed, even as we wrap up the, the last part of the year, um, Elias has been, has been leading us out in a Friday night Bible study. How many of you know about that Bible study, Studies in Prophecy? Okay, yes, some of you have been coming. And it's actually been growing. I think we started with, uh, I don't know, three, five, and we had 15 at some point. I think, I don't know how many last week. Last, last night. Last night, 16. Praise God. So, you know, we, we are studying and because we want to be about growing in the Word of God. Amen. And so, um, yeah, we've been studying prophecy, and we have planned to have a guest speaker that will come to us. If you don't know this yet, please make your, your, your you know, calendar marks that not this coming week, but the following one, on the 19th and 20th of February, we're going to have Dr. George Rico, uh, Jorge Rico, that comes all the way from Keene, Texas. Any of you know that name? Well, George Rico is it's a, it's a disciple, I think. He studied under uh, what's uh, Stephen Bohr. Any of you know Steve Bohr? Steve Bohr, okay. He knows a lot into prophecy. Well, Rico is, was his student at some point, but now he teaches out in, in King, Texas, um, our Southwestern Adventist University. He's the theology department chairman, and he's coming out to share with us about the gospel. And so in talking to him and getting ready, the, the theme will be, um, revelation, covenant, and the gospel. How many of you say amen? Revelation, covenant, and the gospel. And I want to kind of set it up for him coming up. He's, uh, he's actually going to, uh, by my request, and some of you have been, uh, some of the leaders have talked to me about this. He's actually going to focus on chapter 14, the three angels' message, and how this relates to, in the central theme of, of Revelation, um, the covenant and the gospel. How many of you know the three angels' message? You know about this, right? All right. If you don't know, then at least you've heard about it, uh, and you've heard uh, people talk about it, and you probably see the three ABM messages too, or you know, or you probably have books that talk about the three angels' message. Uh, Dr. Rico is going to share with us the emphasis of on that weekend 
And he already sent me, I think we put in together a flyer for next week so that you kind of have an idea. He's actually going to come on Friday night, the 19th, which is uh, what Elias is getting us ready for. You know, people already used to coming Friday night. And so hopefully it'll be a, even a bigger group because we bring in this guy all the way from, you know, kind of important guy. He travels all over the world, been to Colombia, to Africa, and different places he goes to teach about Revelation. And so, um, and of course, so it'll be a special blessing. On Friday night, he'll be here. Saturday morning for Sabbath school, he'll be sharing with us too on the topics of Revelation. So make plans for that, the service, and then in the afternoon. Um, so he'll be with us too. So make plans for that weekend. And by, that, by the end of that weekend, you will have an insight a little more, I believe, about the three angels' message that I think will be a blessing to, to you and to our church. Amen? So make plans for that, please. Well, listen, the book of Revelation, and, and I'm going to try to do my best to set it up. He's actually going to... We started here together a series of sermons on Revelation, but you probably noticed, and I want to kind of quickly uh, introduce this topic of covenant of revelation the book of revelation the covenant and the gospel um and we jump right into um so open open your scriptures with me to the first chapter of revelation by the way um i've said this before but i want to tell you the book of revelation does anybody know what the book revelation means i mean the word revelation means in the greek in the original text anybody revelation to reveal Okay, it's a little, it's, it's true, but on, there's, in, in the Greek, there's anybody else. So it's, it's revealing. Apocalypse is another translation, transliteration. Um, it is, comes from the Greek, the, uh, yeah, the apocalypse. But um, what does it mean? What does it actually mean? No idea? Anybody? Okay, Revelation is on the right track. Um, well, write this down. Somebody say on something. Unveiling. There you go. You were. That's exactly what it means. Revelation means the unveiling of whom? Well, come with me to chapter one of Revelation. It says this is verse one. The revelation of whom? Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his bond servants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated by an angel to his bond servant John who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he. Am I, is this uh, getting in the way? What, is, what am I doing wrong here? But, but if I put it here, it's going to be more, no? You think that will be better? Try that. One, two, three, four. Okay. Now the ringing. I know. I, I thought we, we bought a new one, but that didn't last too long. <laughs> so we tried this older one. All right, so Revelation, oh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm going to go with the handheld. All right. One, there you go. One, two, three, okay. All right, technology, it's a blessing when it works. <laughs> Amen? All right. You know, we, we got to do a few things to our, to, to our media, the needs, uh, but uh, we'll talk about this as the year gets going. Um, Revelation. Revelation is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. By the way, the reason why John feels the need, and, and I want you to understand, John, when the church is at a stage where John is writer, writing the book of Revelation, he's been given this, this revelation, this uh, information that comes from God, right, to John, and John is supposed to pass it on to whom? To the servants of Christ, to us, right? 
Well, actually, he receives it. God gives it to the angel. The angel gives it to John, and John gives it to us. But the idea is this, that up to that point, people may have doubts or not understanding clearly of who Jesus was. And there seems to be a, a veil over Jesus. Remember that when Jesus was here on earth, every time he would make a miracle, he would tell the people, hey, don't tell anybody. Just keep it to yourself. Kind of keep it on the down low. He didn't want to bring a lot of attention, attention to him. It seemed like Jesus was okay with being incognito. He didn't want to be so high, you know, draw too much attention. And so this, and I think out of that and, and, and in the New Testament, people might have gotten the wrong idea of who Jesus Christ was. And as a matter of fact, we come to the end of the New Testament where John writes. And his job is to make sure that everybody knows who Jesus really is. And so the idea of unveiling Christ is taking away the veil of who Christ is. So by the time you're done with Revelation, by the way, you're supposed to really have clear who Christ is. Amen? By the way, those who think, I want you to know Revelation, I... Some people might think that I don't like prophecy, but it's not that. I think prophecy could be used in a way that it misses the main point. And the main point of prophecy, especially the book of Revelation, by the way, and even Daniel and any other book, any other prophecy, who do you think is at the center of prophecy? Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, not everything that is in this book is about Jesus Christ. Amen. Genesis 3.15, remember? Genesis 3.15. As soon as men and women got into trouble, what was the promise that God gave them? Genesis 3.15. Anybody knows who I'm talking about? He gave the promise. The promise of what? Of Jesus. Right there in Genesis, we have that when women and men and women get in trouble, then we need Jesus. And in the beginning, in Genesis, God gives that promise. The gospel is in the, in the Old Testament. Amen? So I want you to know that from that moment on, Jesus is the center. The promise is the center. And God calls this people of God. He calls a particular people, the Israelites, to do what? Precisely that. For them to bring the good news, this promise of Christ, this promise of overcoming sin, of redemption, of getting help, of hope. Because by the way, what the world needs most is hope. This is why they need Jesus. So from the beginning, from Old Testament, don't you even think, and somebody have said, that maybe the Old Testament is not relevant anymore because it's all about Christ now. Well, I got news for you. Whoever says that, do not understand that the whole purpose of the Old Testament is to point to the future when all those promises of God, Christ is at the center of the Old Testament as much as he is in the New Testament. And if we have missed it, John, the job of John is to take away the veil. That if you have doubts, if you don't understand clearly the centrality of Christ, the reason why he is at the center of it all, that you and I, by the time we finish Revelation, by the time we understand this, what is in this book, you and I know who Christ really is. Amen? And there's another there's another uh, reality that comes, and this is where, where we're going to talk about the covenant. So, Revelation is to unveil, to reveal who Jesus really is. So that we understand the central role and how much Jesus is worthy and how much he is what we need. And he's the only hope that we must have in this human 
story that we live in. Move on with me because, and I, I, I guess what I want to give you this morning is kind of a big picture to get, get you set up to what um, Dr. Uh, Rico will bring to you, especially about the three angels' message on, on the weekend coming up. Again, make plans to be there. With this idea of Jesus, with this understanding that Jesus is at the center of Revelation, then John begins to talk and share a message to the church. And you remember, we even had a series here. You might not remember. It might be on the, on the archives, on, on the podcast that we had here. Look it up on iTunes. We had a sermon in each one of these churches. And basically what John is bringing to the churches, the message to the churches is precisely that they need Christ and that God knows them individually. And of course, it applies to the churches in Asia Minor, the churches that were there at that time. But it also applies to the church through history. Amen? And if we find, if what we find something here is that God, Christ actually knows, God knows every church, and he has the solution for every trial and every circumstance of every church. So from Christ, from trying to unveil who he is, John takes us, and God through John takes us to take a look at the church, at us as people of God. And the challenges that we face. And of course, the beautiful thing about Revelation, if we understand Revelation in this way, as opposed to just only a book to know dates and to know about prophecy, we could actually begin to apply it to our lives. Amen? And it begins to talk to, to you about the things that you're being challenged with, the things that God is trying to transform and change in your life. And we find in each one of these messages, beautiful promises, beautiful um, dealings what God is doing with the life of the church that applies to us and how God has worked through history and through the church to bring the church to where the church needs to be. And isn't that what God is trying to do in our lives? Amen. I mean, doesn't God know? By the way, one of the key uh, phrases in the, in the messages to the churches is, I know your works. I know you. You go back, read it. And isn't that God? Doesn't God know us deep inside? I mean, when we come here together, and by the way, that's, that's the beauty of coming together and worshiping together. That we could come together and we could know that we could be vulnerable with God, that he knows us exactly as we are. Why is that important? Brené Brown, who is, a, who is a qualitative researcher, if you want to, I think there's a book that she writes about the excruciating power of vulnerability. And she uh, writes on this topic about that as human beings, the great need that we have, the, re the, the way in which we are wired is we need to connect in a significant way. In other words, we are wired for connection, to feel connected to someone. And that's what, that's what find, help us find purpose and meaning in life. If not think about your life, the moment that you feel that you are alone, that you're not connected, you don't have the support that you need from God and from the people, your network, the people, your family, the people that you love, we begin to sense this kind of a, uh, going around, going, uh, going about without any purpose, without sense, kind of a anxious, because we're lacking that connection, that purposeful and meaningful connection. And so you and I, where, whoever you are, the number one need that we have is the need to connect in a significant way. Amen? And so... Christ offers us specifically that number one. He wants to suffice that number one need because he, better than nobody else, knows us. And by the way, and it's good news because 
Brené Brown, going back to her, she says that what gets in the way of us connecting, and listen to me now, what gets in the way of us connecting in this significant way is our shame and that we're not able to be vulnerable. In other words, when you walk around trying to pretend that you have it all together, when you don't have anyone or no one that you could actually be honest and be vulnerable with to know that they know you exactly how you are and yeah, they love you and yeah, they'll connect with you and they'll continue to support you. When you cannot be that, and actually a lot of us walk around, walk about pretending and protecting ourselves because we feel that if we somehow let people know who we truly are, then we will not be worthy of this connection. And so she calls that shame, guilt us into not being able to connect because we're not vulnerable enough, because we're protecting ourselves in such a way that we never really connect, connect in a significant way. And that includes even our God. And this is why in the, first three, in the first three chapters, the number one thing that God tells the church is, listen, I know you. It's all right. You could be vulnerable and open with me. I know exactly who you are. And I love you. And I've given my son. And, and so I know you and I want to help you. I want to embrace you. I want to transform your life. So it's all right. Just come to me. And that's why in Revelation 3.20, we find that one of the final messages to the church is, Behold, I stand at the door. And what? Knock. If anyone hears my voice. Because God is constantly, and open the door. God is constantly seeking us. God is constantly opening to us the opportunity that we could be open. And when he said open the door, some of us don't even want to open the door. Because we know what he's going to see, isn't it? Because we are ashamed of what God may see behind the door. I mean, it's good to come here to church on Saturday. We look all right, right? We dressed up. We smell good, right? We prepare. But God is saying, open behind the door. I want to know deep inside. I want to go beyond the door, beyond the facade, you know, the face, the front that you put putting up. God, he wants to know that you open and become vulnerable just as you are. And then he says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, if you really let him in, if he really just be honest with God, if there's someone that we could be honest with, it's Jesus Christ. He's the one that you and I cannot be afraid that he knows us. And he's not going to re reject us. Brenna Brown says that that is the number one fear we have, fear of rejection. And that's why we not, we'll, we're not vulnerable. But yes, yeah, she says, Brenna Brown, qualitative researcher, social worker, and she does say that this gets in the way of us making that connection that we need as human beings. Us not being able to be vulnerable. And so she calls it excruciating vulnerability because it is excruciating, if you think about it, to actually be vulnerable, be open. I mean, it's, it's, to some of us, it's, 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 um, it's excruciating. It's hard to think that, yes, we could just be totally open. And just to get to that point, it's painful. But that's where God wants to lead us. That's the number one thing that he wants from us. That we get to the point where we feel, we understand that he knows us and that we could be open with him. And then we find in chapter 4, and by the way, in chapter 4 we find that from 
an emphasis to the church, to looking at us, to looking at ourselves deep inside our hearts. First, it's, right, it says about Christ, unveiling who he is. Then he points to the church and says, this is what's going on in the church. And this is what I want you to see and know. And so in a way, John is telling us, so Christ is the focus. And as you focus on Christ and so you know who he really is, then we begin. And by the way, in chapter 4 and 5, John B turns back to the focus on Christ and actually takes us to heaven. And we have a scene in the throne of God, chapter 4 and 5, right? Because once we know who we are, we can't stay there. We can't stay focusing on us, on how sinful and how wrong we are and how, you know. No, we can't stay there because what God wants to do is once you know who you are, then he wants to point us back to the realities that are bigger than your reality. And that is the realities of what? Of heavens, the reality of God. And this is why in chapter 4, we have a scene from heaven. And we have in chapter 4, verse 2, Immediately I was in the, in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And verse 3, And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone, and a sardius in appearance. And there was rainbow around the throne. It describes the throne. And, and you could get the idea of who is in heaven and what is surrounding this. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. The throne of worship and worship of the Creator. Verse 5, out of the throne come out flashes of lightning and describes. But then he says, and the four living creatures, verse 8, each one of them having six wings are full of eyes. And then he says, And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And worthy, verse 11, are you, O Lord, and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because you, you will, they will exist and were created. So chapter 4 points us back and said, God is in control. He's sitting in his throne. He's the only one worthy to receive our praise and to focus back on him. And so take us back to focus on God. And why is he worthy? Well, chapter 5, and this is when, again, continues set up for Dr. Rico when he comes back, is because in chapter 5, we find why he's worthy. And basically, to give you kind of a, a quick picture of it, uh, and, and again, I know you're going to go back home and you're going to study this in detail. You're going to pull out your concordance, right? And you're going to go deep. By the way, don't, don't believe everything that's in the internet. So pull out, pull out your concordance. Check the stuff that's in the internet. Some of the stuff is good, though. Um, but do study and grow into what the book of Revelation means and how it applies to our lives. So I know this is not the only time that you will read the book of Revelation. You're going to go back and you've done it in the past and you will do it in the future. In chapter 5, we find this, that, well, John, John gives us the, the scene that he says that no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book. And this, we said that he saw, verse 5, verse 1, at the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a book written, seven seals. And so a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and break its seal? And verse three, 3 says that no one was worthy, right? Verse 4, Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And, no, and one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, what? The lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And by the way, I, we could just spend the whole day here in Revelation, but I'm going to try to summarize the next five minutes something for you. 
as we think of getting ready for the idea of covenant, of revelation, unveiling of Christ, of covenant, and the gospel, as, 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 as we will be focusing on, on February, 9th, February 19th and 20th. When John sees that no one is able to open the book, of course he gets desperate. He cries. And then the angel tells him, listen, don't worry. And he points to who? He calls out who? The lion. And by the way, you're going to go again, read this on your own. And he calls out the lion. And when he turns, what does he see? A lamb. A lamb, not only any, any lamb, but I saw between the throne. So he said, he, he hears, right? He's weeping. He calls out, and I saw between the throne with the two living creatures and the elders and a lamb standing as a slain. This, it says, a lamb, verse 6, is standing as if slain having been Horns and seven, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, send out into all the earth. And he came and took the book. This is the lamb, who was also the lion, right? So he hears the lion, he turns and he sees the lamb, who is powerful. And again, this is pointing to whom? To Christ. Because by the way, at this point in history, this happens right after the ascension of Jesus Christ. By this point in history, Christ had been already crucified, Amen. So this Lion of Judah, the one who has the power, and by the way, the Lamb has seven horns, which horns is always symbol of power. This is a powerful Lamb. This is not just a Lamb that goes as a slaughter and has no power. No, this is the powerful Lamb of God who has the power, but He is slain, or the God, Jesus, is slain because He chooses to, because it's the only way in which we will find hope and salvation. And so by His sacrifice, verse um, Verse 8, when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our god and they will reign upon the earth what a blessing by the way here we begin to see an introduction of the theme of covenant the covenant we have a king we have priests right and by the way one thing that you need to understand is that John doesn't actually quote the scriptures. He doesn't actually uh, point back in a direct way, but he kind of, uh, he uses what's allusion and echoing. And so things that he would say would point back to principles and realities of the Old Testament that we need to remember. And one of those realities is the covenant of Christ, the covenant that God had made with his people. And here we begin to see, you know, nuances, echoes, kind of a soft echo of this theme of covenant. Why is this important? Well, and let's finish here in 1 Kings chapter, actually uh, Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6. And this is where we're going to finish this morning. Turn back with me to Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6. We'll finish here on the covenant. Verse 5 and 6 of Exodus, not Genesis. Verse, chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. Everybody there? All right, we have it on the screen. I'm going to read mine. Um, number five. Now then, this is the promise of the covenant to the Israelites. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, amen, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples. 
For all the earth is mine. Does that sound? You see the echoes of, of, of Revelation? You hear that? We just read about that he's the creator and, he be, and the whole earth belongs to him. Echoes, echoes saying, yes, this is what he's alluding to. He says, you are my own possessions and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the son of Israel. Listen, we know of the old covenant that Jesus took out the Israelites from slavery and he took him out and he said, now you're my prized possession. Now you're my people. And if you follow my commands, if you follow my voice, if you listen to what I do, then he says, I will bless you and the nations will be blessed by you. So this is what's called, theologians call the blessings of the covenant. If you follow God, and by the way, the God, Jesus, oh God through Moses takes out Israel by grace, amen? He just takes him out. After he takes him out, after he saves him, he puts him in the desert, and then he makes the covenant. And by the way, this covenant is the same covenant that he has made with Abraham. It's not a new covenant. Even though in the Old Testament, by the time the Old Testament uh, begins to close up, God is speaking about establishing a new covenant. Because in his heart, in his mind, God saying the old covenant actually didn't work. Because it was in, sta- in tables of stone, and it seemed like people just focused on the outside. When God wanted that those promises, that those commands would actually transform the life of his people so that it will transform the life of those around them with the whole nations. And this is how God wanted to bless the whole world by, being, by them becoming the representation of Christ, of God and what he wanted to do to the world. But we know by the time the Old, covenant, the, the old Testament ends that the, the Old Covenant had failed because Israel had failed to their mission. Because Israel did not remain faithful to the covenant. And so because they did not remain faithful to the covenant, there were also curses of the covenant, which is more like consequences. If you don't follow God, then you're going to pay the consequences. And by the way, within the, for the covenant people, the, the consequences are to get you back to listen to God. So whatever you think is going wrong in your life, if you think that it's because God is trying to mess with you, all he's trying to do is get your attention so that he gets you back into this loving covenantal relationship with him. Amen? So, and, and that's what curses of the covenant is. So that you are reminded that you have made a promise to God that he has saved you by grace. And so now you must live according to his will. And it's the old covenant but it's the new covenant. But something happens in the New Testament, and, and I want to finish with this, is this. So in a way, the covenant has not really changed, even though God speaks about a new covenant. But the, 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 what's different about the old covenant from the new is that now God wants the covenant to take root where? In the hearts of his people. Because somehow the people missed it. They saw the tables of, the tables of stone, and somehow they thought there was something to be focused on the outside. And by the way, it's not us focusing on the, on the outside of our appearance and our behavior that we are going to make progress and God is going to reach the state that, oh, he's going to help us reach the state that he wants for us. It's when we allow his spirit, his indwelling spirit, his law become part of us. It's a deep inside transformation. It's not focusing on the outside works. It's focusing on allowing, and I know this morning I was discussing with a loving uh, a person I love so much in this church because we agree that this is exactly what God wants. That as we open our hearts to him, he dwells in our hearts and he will transform our lives deep inside. But it doesn't come from the outside. Our focus must be 
on God again, on Jesus Christ, on his sacrifice, on what the Lamb has done for us. But there's something that changes in the New Testament, and that is that what's changed is not what he changes. is the definition of Israel. Hello? The covenant is good news, Wanda. Come on, Wanda. I, you want to jump, Wanda. It's okay. You, you're dancing. Anybody else is getting there? I, I mean, because, because, listen, now it's not Israel, the people from the Old Testament. Now in Jesus Christ, Israel has been, has been redefined. And guess what? Includes you and me. Amen? And this is why we are here today. Because we have made a covenant with God because we know that by the power that is vested, the power that God showed in the, the lamb that was slain, because of that, he has purchased our price. He has redeemed us. And not only redeemed us, but now he's made us what? A kingdom of priests. And this is the covenant idea. So now we got this special um, status before God. And it's not just only reserved for the Israelites, no matter what they're trying to say today. They think that it's only the people of Israel that's going to be especially blessed. No, Jesus says, now Israel has been redefined, and you and I are part of this spiritual Israel. That God is still fulfilling the promises of, your co of his covenant to us. Amen? And so this is the good news, because the gospel is at the center of this covenant. What a blessing to know that God who saved you and me, who knows you deep inside like nobody else does, even better than you know yourself. He has given his son the powerful lamb and lion, and he's, he sacrificed so that you and I could be reassured of this covenant relationship that we have with him. Yes, we have the choice to allow him to help us live by the covenant. And then we will, if we do that, then we enjoy the blessings of the covenant. But the moment that you and I step away from the covenant and begin, our lives does not reflect who God is and what he's trying to do in our lives, then God, through the curses, reminds us of the, of the consequences of not following his covenant. He reminds us gently, and sometimes not so gently, that we may wake up and go back to who we really are, which by God's grace, we're this kingdom of priests and kings that represent God to the nations today. And this is where the three angels' message come in, folks. When Pastor Rico comes, by the way, we're going to have a whole weekend on there just talking about Revelation. If people said that we don't talk about Revelation here in this church, you invite him for next weekend, amen, for that weekend on the 19th. We just want to really emphasize Revelation as it was meant to be. Jesus Christ at the center of it all. And that as you and I continue in this journey, that you and I may make him more and more the center of our lives, Jesus Christ. I've, I've, I'm doing the, the military um, this weekend. It might not appear because I'm here this morning. Right? You're like, no, you're here. Yeah, today I'm here. But yesterday I was out in, in Camp Landing. And, and it just reminded me, and I want to share this with you, because I started, when I got there, the soldiers are doing weapons qualification, of course, the chaplain does not shoot a gun, <laughs> so I don't need to qualify. So uh, the major, you know, the, the ex-executive officer of the battalion, all that, he, starts, he tells me, oh, you're missing the must phone. I mean, the, the must fund that you have the whole year, you can't get into it. <laughs> I said, it's okay, it's all right. 
But as I started to, well, to greet some of the soldiers, some, I, something struck me. One, a few of them said, I said, how are you doing? And this, one of them just grabbed me he just, because the way he responded, he says, and living it. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But I started talking to this person, you know, this soldier, and he started telling me what he means. You know, hey, man, I'm, I'm living this. God has given it to me, and I'm just claiming it. I'm living it. And as I was getting ready for, for, for our sharing this morning, I realized this is the kind of attitude that someone who understands what the covenant is has about their lives. Amen? When you know who you are in Christ, when you know what God has done through the lamp in your life, if someone asks you, how are you doing? I'm living it. <laughs> Amen? I'm just enjoying the ride. Somebody told me the other day, how can you keep it together? You got so many things going on and I'm getting more stuff to get on. I say, I don't know. I'm just trying to stay on top of the wave so I could surf it and hopefully not to fall. But I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm riding the wave. We must live in this realization that we are just living what God has granted us to live and what he's made possible for us. Amen. And it's all because of the lamb that has been slain, the lion and the lamb. And so Revelation 14, I pray that it will be even a tremendous blessing this weekend coming up.